Let's check in with award-winning political analyst and author Paul Lisnick, who has spent a lot of time at WGN-TV today, but we've got him here for a couple of minutes. Good morning, Paul. Hey, what Robert. do you make of the fact that uh, there was record early voter turnout, but a very low uh, day of uh, voting yesterday? Well, what I make of that is that it's very easy to vote in Illinois now, probably one of the easiest states to vote in, and more people took an advantage of saying, hey, look, I'm it in. I'm going to do something besides have to show up on election day. So I think there's a shift in the culture. That said, your point is well taken, which is we only had a 30 plus percentage turnout rate. And in many ways, of course, that's pitiful for a city this size, especially one that's undergoing kind of an identity crisis right now in terms of determining a new mayor and, and a city council and which direction the city wants to go in progressive versus more uh, conservative. Uh, Given that the uh, highest uh, turnout was along the lakefront and also northwest and southwest, uh, what what does that uh, portend for the two candidates now? Well, Brandon Johnson actually did fairly well among what we call the Lakeshore liberals, and that's where Lori lost. Remember, she won all 50 wards. Sometimes people forget that. She won all 50 wards four years ago. Um, But what that portends for him is that it would suggest, as you look at the overall numbers in a general way, that Vallis did very, very strong, not only winning the most wards, but with a strength. And so the bottom line is going to be that I think she that Brandon Johnson would need both Mayor Lightfoot and Chewy Garcia to get behind him, um, suggesting that their supporters go for Brandon Johnson. That looks like it's his only and main path to victory, but even that will be a tough road for him. How did Brandon Johnson go from Brandon who to a viable challenger so fast? Oh, you can answer that in three letters, CTU. Mm. The bottom line was he had the money and the support of CTU, and maybe some of it sort of looked behind the scenes for a while, because you're right, you know, he, he was on the air and we saw all of that, but I think there was a lot of support going on behind him in that direction, um, and I think, and that's who he, in fact, they gave him so much money that I believe in his campaign financing documents, he had to list them as sort of a sponsor, one of the sponsors of the campaign. It. If he becomes mayor, it cre- creates an issue for him because, um, you know, he has to negotiate with the CTU, right? So in many ways, people will say, wait a minute, you're negotiating with yourself. That's where your heart is. That's who you are. But Paul Vallis will face the accusation of, of he's got to negotiate police contracts if he's the mayor and he has the support of police. So in, in some ways, it's just the territory that comes with the job. Johnson uh, seems to be a very effective campaigner. He's got quite a personality, doesn't he? He does. One of the things that did surprise me last night, to be honest, was, you know, in my view, the campaign should have started this morning. Paul Vallis took the high road in his comments last night. Everything was just a thank you, and we look forward to doing good things, and people concentrated on the issue. In fact, he started off by saying, I received a call from Lori Lightfoot, and let's give her a round of applause. And Brandon Johnson did that for quite a while, but then he took a shift on the last part of his speech, really going after after Vallis, uh, and it just that kind of stunned me a little bit because I thought, you know what, you, you could wait till morning to do that. But then again, he came in second. He knows he's got to, to, to bring people on board. So I guess he decided that no better time than last night to get the election underway. Didn't you think that the uh, the graceful speech that Mayor Lightfoot made last night, that uh, that part of her personality is what was lacking during the campaign and, and you could argue during during her administration? 
You know, yeah, we have to remember, and we kind of talked about this last night a little bit, you know, Rahm Emanuel had in very, very much so the same kind of reputation that Lightfoot does in terms of being, you know, sort of distant and, and hard, hard-headed and all of that, except then, remember, Rahm put on a sweater at the last parts of his campaign for his <laughs> right. ads, and everyone, oh, wait, that's, that's, that's our uncle. We like him now. Um, <laughs> so Lightfoot, you know, tried to do a little of that towards the end. I, don't, I think it was just too late in terms of doing it, um, but I will say, uh, in our coverage last night, I, I basically turned to the, to the panel, and I kind of said, is there anybody here that thought that at 8.44 p.m. on election night, Mayor Lightfoot would be conceding? It took everybody really by surprise that she that she saw it so quickly. But then again, she saw the writing on the wall. She took the high road. WGN political analyst Paul Lusnick. Thank you, Paul. We'll check in with you a little bit later this Look forward morning. forward to it, Robert. Thank you. Chicago's very own political analyst from WGN, Paul Lusnick. Uh, good morning, Paul. And what I'm wondering about at this point, do you think other big city mayors are a little nervous about what happened here last night with Mayor Lightfoot uh, in this post-pandemic high crime inflation era? Yeah, what a, what a really interesting question, Bob. Of course, it's hard to know uh, what the tone is in some other cities. We know New York has a new mayor, and there's a lot of pressure on him as well. You know, listen, all politics at the level of voting for mayor and aldermen and that kind of thing, those kind of politics are truly local. So I, I think right now, uh, while if you are another big city mayor, you might be, of course, L.A. just had its had its race. Karen Bass is their new, new mayor, so some, some are not going to face anything for quite a while. But, I, I mean, I think if you're looking at Chicago, what you're seeing is, is that this is a, a, a town that has nationally been um, addressed for violence levels and all of that. And, of course, as Mayor Lightfoot said throughout the campaign, hey, the numbers are better, things are better, and that may be true. But she also recognized, and this, I think, was you know the point of doom for her campaign, was that people still just don't feel safe here. So you can tell me the numbers are down, but, you know, Bob, if I'm afraid to walk my dogs at 10 o'clock at night down what used to be a very safe street, then mm-hmm. it's time for a change. Well, whoever wins, it sounds like we're going to get a new police superintendent, aren't we? That's true. I think David Brown is probably getting ready to go back to Dallas, um, you know, his home before he came here, because pretty much every candidate except for Mayor Lightfoot said that they would replace him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Johnson or Vallis look inside the police department and promote from within, or whether they do what Lightfoot did and bring somebody from outside. At this point in this city, I think they would be better served. And I think Vallis would certainly, given his support with FOP, is you know very likely to look inside the existing police department to take somebody from within. I guess uh, that point about uh, other other big city mayors, uh, you get a couple more years behind you away from this uh, pandemic, and if the economy improves and maybe with it, the uh, crime situation will, will not be as dire. Maybe other incumbent mayors will have it a little easier than Mayor Lightfoot did. Well, but here's the thing. Mayor Lightfoot, when you mentioned the pandemic, we are coming off the pandemic. And even while people will disagree with policies and such, um, certainly on, on our WGN News last night, you had even you know Republican folks uh, on the air saying, you know, she did a pretty good job handling the pandemic here. Um, and also, uh, as the soon-to-be former alderman Harry Osterman said, you know, there, you also have to give her credit for, pro, for efforts she's made on the south side, on the west side. My point being that the pandemic, while one would think it would propel an incumbent to victory if they've handled it fairly well, 
let's just agree for the sake of argument that Lightfoot basically did, uh, then she shouldn't have had the trouble she had. So the voting that people vote on, and here's what we know about at least Chicago mayoral elections, people vote less on personality and who they, because, you know, she had a lot of challenges to her personality and how she dealt with people, Mm -hmm. and they really do vote based on the current issues they're facing. And as you mentioned them, the economy and crime, that's what's in, certainly crime, that's what's in people's heads right now, and that clearly is what they voted on. Any surprises, generally speaking, as you look at the aldermanic races? So the one thing that's maybe not a surprise is that many of the incumbents win, uh, win again. Some will face runoffs, but that happens every every season as well. But I think some of the ones that interested me, the first ward, which has Daniel Espada, he's a Democratic Socialist, he's going for his second term, but he was uh, facing Poco Joe Moreno, which a lot of your listeners may remember. That's the guy who, yep, he's the guy that gave his, her, his girlfriend his car and then purported it stolen, and then he had a DUI thing that he, you know, that he pled guilty to all sorts of stuff in his background, but he wanted to return. Uh, he came in fourth out of a four-person race with only about eight or nine percent, so the folks of the first ward weren't having it. Um, and I think it's also interesting that who will be in that runoff with current Alderman Spasato, uh, sorry, sorry, current Alderman Laspada is going to be, Spasato actually won his ward outright, um, but the other person is going to be Sam Royko, and if that name Royko was familiar to folks, yeah, that's Mike Royko's kid, the famous journalist mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. once famously said the lowest four of life is an alderman. So, hey, his son wants to step into that world. I think the 11th Ward was really interesting, too. That's Daly territory. That's the ward that Mayor Daly and his family ruled for decades. And there, the ward was redrawn to make it very strong for Asian representation. And in fact, there was an appointment when Patrick Daly Thompson got himself into some trouble and in came Nicole Lee, you know, an Asian uh, American, first ever in city council, only one on city council. And yet, she faces a runoff. And the only general, other general comment I'll make is that five of Mayor Lightfoot's appointees, none of them sailed clear to victory. Either they lost or they find themselves in a runoff. And uh, with only two now as we head for that April runoff and, and Brandon Johnson uh, going from relative obscurity to where he is now rather quickly, uh, the polls uh, showing that widespread between those two going into last night, that's going to get pretty close, don't you think? Oh, it'll absolutely tighten as people sort of put both of those candidates under a microscope. Um, you know, if you went up to your typical person, how they what would they tell you about Paul Vallis? Well, he cares about crime because that's every TV ad. What about Brandon Johnson? Well, isn't he that, that guy that's a teacher with the CTU behind him? We're going to learn a lot more about them. Brandon Johnson, by the way, was on our WGN TV news this morning, and he said a couple things I think that are worth noting. Uh, whereas Vallis says he's going to you know hire 1,600 policemen, Brandon Johnson said not so fast. It takes two years of training, although there is talk about changing the level of an amount of training for police officers. And second, he went on to talk about wanting a billion-dollar investment in uh, mental health workers and all sorts of other assistance. Well, who's going to pay for that? Well, he sort of took the approach of saying, if you make a lot of money, you ought to be paying. So we're going to be hearing, I think, about higher tax levels from him, and that may be a turnoff for some people. Paul Vallis doesn't say he won't raise taxes, but he has said pretty much, uh, my word's not his, but it's a point of last resort for him. And I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you, Paul Lisnick, and uh, we can't wait. It's always a pleasure. I love talking to you, Bob, anytime. Thank you, sir.